Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Come to you this morning and we are so thankful that we can sing that song and know, Lord, that that is the truth, that you don't give up on us. We come here, Lord, broken, wounded, hurt, And you still love us. Lord, we have turned our back at times on you, each and every one of us. And you don't turn your back on us. We're reminded of last week, Lord, where you came from that, that dark grave. You were brought back to life that we might have life. What an exciting moment in the Christian faith. What an exciting moment in our faith. To recognize, Lord, that you are the Lord of our life. Lord, as we prepare to look at your word this morning, as we listen to the story that happens right after that, may we put ourselves in that spot that the disciples would have been in. May, Lord, we understand that you had a plan moving forward and it would be much bigger May we hear your voice this morning as we listen. Quiet our hearts. Lord, quiet our hearts from the distractions of the day. From the texts that we got on the way here, from the things that keep running through our minds. Clear our minds this morning that we might hear your voice and hear it clearly. Help us to discern the, pl- the path that you have for each and every one of us. This is holy ground because you are here. Take away those things that distract us this morning, that we could hear your voice. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning's passage is out of Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus had begun to do and teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convicting proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and in a cloud hid him from their sight. As they were looking up intently into the sky as he was going, 
when two, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we continue singing. Okay, so the herd is go. Yeah, you can go, Lou. Dun, 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 dun. I know, I kind of like it. I've kind of like that. That's kind of a weird thing, but I like it. <laughs> Generally, pastors don't like it to see people leave, Dan. <laughs> oh, I like, it when the, I like it when the herd goes down over the... <laughs> Reminds me of those African, like, uh, National Geographic, right? <laughs> you can just see them. You can see them. See, what I can see, you guys can't see, is I can see them going through that door and then up that door. Look, they're running. I'm like antelope or gazelles, right? It's a good problem, guys. <laughs> uh, so now what? Or what now? <laughs> you have to wonder what the disciples were thinking at that moment when they first saw Jesus. Now what? Well, wait, I got to tell you, I think they, they, had, they said something right before that. The scripture, doesn't, scripture didn't get this. They didn't, they didn't think it was valuable, but I think it's, it's valuable. I think what they said was, so wheat! Right? All right, half of you guys are awake. Half of you are, we're going to try this again, and you're going to have to do it with me, because I'm not sure whether you believe me or not. I know it's not in the gospel, and I couldn't find it in the Greek either, but think a moment about... That roller coaster of a week, that time when all was lost, all hope was gone, and all of a sudden Jesus is standing in front of you. The second thing they thought was, now what? But the first thing they said was, sweet! Right? That's what, think of, just think about all those, these people gave up their life. They were fishermen, some of them, right? And what did he say? Let's go be fishers of men. All that had to have run through their mind for that week as they were scattered, as they were wondering what was going to happen next. Jesus shows up. And they say, sweet! Right? Why? Because they think, we're back on track. They aren't going to kill this guy. We're back on track. They even ask him in this scripture, all right, so when are we going to take over, right? All right, so now you're back on track. Uh, they killed you, but you came back to life. Let's go finish this deal. Remember what they said? Sweet! You guys, uh, you guys are... <laughs> I'm going to second service. <laughs> they better at following directions. <laughs> They may be a little less in numbers, but they follow directions better. You guys are going to get that little check on your, on your thing that says, doesn't follow directions. Or needs improvement. Isn't that what it said? Yeah, that's what it was. When I was in grade school, it was always the needs improvement. My parents, they're like, this, this poor sap. He need, everything in his life, he needs improvement. <laughs> uh, he can bounce a ball. That's about it. <laughs> That moment 
in the disciples' life had to be one of, like, what is about to happen now? Where are we headed now? We've, we've gone through this roller coaster. We thought all was lost. Jesus has come back. Now what are we going to do? Right? He re- he, they had to have that running through their mind. Over and over and over. And in this passage, we see that in 11 verses, Jesus has already ascended to heaven, right? He talks to him for a, what, 40 days, it says in the scripture. He shares of his sufferings. And then he ascends. Do you really think that that's what they thought would happen? I don't think so. I'm thinking they're thinking, sweet, he's back and we're going to take over. But the plan has changed. And I don't know about you, but there had to be some mixed feelings about that, right? You're back, but now you're not going to stay back? It's like when my kids come home, you know. There's this, I'm torn. My kids come home to visit, and I love to see them visit. But I'm torn because I'm always... And I'm always cognizant of that idea that they're going to leave again, <laughs> right? And sometimes I don't want them to leave again, but I don't want to build a commune. I make fun of those people. <laughs> I can't build a commune to keep all my kids in the same spot. And, and probably the disciples would have been thinking, what can we do to keep Jesus here with us? And I'm sure that the 40 days went really fast, Right? Because there's that sense of, oh, this is awesome. He's back. And things are good. And then he's going to ascend and go away. And the clouds block them, it says. And that's got a little bit challenging as a disciple. And I don't know about you, but it probably should be a little bit challenging to you as a disciple. We sang that song that said uh, that Jesus wouldn't wouldn't leave us hanging, right? He's not going to. He's not going to leave us in the lurch. And so this passage this morning talks about the things that Jesus left for us. The gifts that Jesus gives us. And so as we look at this passage, I want you to think about the gifts that Jesus has given us. And he gave it to us. He gave it to the disciples. And even today, he gives it to us. And the first thing that he gave us was his message. His message of hope. Verse 3, uh, Acts uh, 1, 3, it says, After his suffering, suffering, he presented himself to them, and he gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of heaven. That was the message that he was, was giving. And if you go all the way to verse 11, he reminded them that he would be back. That's a pretty exciting message And so he left that message with his disciples. The message was, this is not over, this is only just beginning. It's not over, but just beginning. This is the new message. The Old Testament had talked about this Jesus coming, and that was all being fulfilled at that moment. And there had to be a lot of that running through their heads. you got to I think about, um, that's a recipe book if you can't tell what that is. My grandma was a cook, and she was a good cook. 
Uh, and she was a good hometown, home, down home, good cook. So good that when Grandma was uh, graduating high school, she had a scholarship to go to college to cook. She didn't take it because she needed to work on the farm, right? There were, there were eggs to gather. She was uh, a part of this uh, chicken business. And so she chose not to do that. But it didn't take away from Grandma's ability to cook. And her whole life, I can remember going to Grandma's, and the first thing we would do would be look for the Tupperware bowl. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. If, you've, if you're older than 40, you know what a Tupperware bowl is. And you can never see through them. They're not clear, but you could see that there's something in them. And we would always walk in, and we would always give Grandma a hug, and our platitudes, and then we would look for the Tupperware bowl, right? <laughs> and the reason we looked for the Tupperware bowl is because we knew Grandma would have some cookies, right? And my grandma made oatmeal raisin cookies. I got the recipe, by the way, best recipe ever. My grandma had a bowl, and at one time we had it, that she tailored the recipe to fit in that bowl. Five cups of flour. Five cups of flour in this bowl. And she would make it so that the bowl was like, when she got it done mixing, it was pretty full. Made like five dozen cookies. But that was never, there was never too many cookies of grandma's cookies, right? And every time we went there as kids, we would always be like, looking for the Tupperware bowl. Because you guys know what I'm talking about, right? That's, those are good cookies. And so we would go and we would find grandma's cookies. And, and grandma didn't only make cookies. Grandma made just, she made breads. And she, made, she, she could cook anything. She even made bad things taste good, like vegetables, right? <laughs> she used to have a carrot recipe. It was my favorite. And it, I think I have the recipe where she wrote it. It says, Daniel's favorite carrots. Of course, they had to have like honey on them. You know, they were like sweet. They were, take a stinky little carrot and you can make it a good, you can even make a carrot good if you put enough sugar on it. But grandma made all these different great recipes. And towards the end of her life, uh, when things were harder, uh, and she wasn't able to get around, and uh, at that time my wife was uh, actually working with her um, three or four days a week, just kind of helping around the house, uh, just taking care of some things. And they, they together decided they were going to make a, a, a cookbook. So I don't know how that all came about. I don't even know the details. But somewhere among, amongst this uh, craziness, they decided they are going to make a cookbook. And so they have this piece of paper, and I have it at home. I didn't bring it. Um, they have this piece of paper where Grandma started writing out her recipes. And... <laughs> It, it was just one of those papers where you just keep folding it around, and it's on both sides, and it's Grandma's Scribble, and at that point, Grandma's Scribble is a little hard to read, and there's like oatmeal cookie raisin dough on some of it, and you know, it's a little crunchy here and there, but we still have Grandma's recipes and Grandma's writing. We still have that paper. And a few years ago, I, my youngest, Sarah, uh, is, she's the cooking fool, I call her. She likes to cook like grandma, great-grandma for her. And so we got those recipes out, and we started to, to try those recipes. 
And lo and behold, they taste just as good as when grandma made them. We were able to put five cups of flour and a pound of whatever, butter, and you name it, oatmeal and all this stuff together, and we made oatmeal raisin cookies. Now, we didn't have the Tupperwares, so we had to eat them all at once, right? <laughs> but they tasted just like grandma's. And so when we have those, we, ever, we, don't, we don't make them a whole lot. Maybe I'll make them here in a couple weeks when the kids are home. But when we make them, it reminds me of grandma, right? It's grandma's recipe. Even though grandma's not here anymore, that recipe still works. And I tell you that whole story because I think sometimes we lose the fact that even though Jesus isn't here on his, with his earthly body and his feet, and his, he's not, we're not touching him, it still works. The gospel still works some 2,000 plus years later. You realize that the world is separated. The history of the world is separated by one act. One act. Now, we have some scientists now who are trying to change it to a BCE and a CE. They don't, they're, trying to, they're trying to mess with that. But the reality is this. There was a BC, which was before Christ, and there was an AD, which is Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. History has been separated by Jesus. And his message is no less important today than it was then. It was the hope that the disciples needed to keep going. It's the hope that we need to keep going. There will be those people who want to change it, who want to take it away, who want to try to make it false by trying to figure out how science can disrupt it. It doesn't take away from what happened that day that Jesus rose again. His disciples were there to hear it. It was recorded, and we are able to be reminded of that message today. The second thing he gave us was his guide. He gave us his guide, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit. I meant to put gift, but that's okay. It'll work out this way too. Verse 4 says, He commanded them to wait in the city until that gift the Father had promised would come upon them. Now this is chapter 1. If you want to read ahead, you can read to chapter 2, and you'll see how that gift was dispersed. This is a gift that was talked about 900 B.C., 900 plus years before. Joel, the prophet Joel, it, it, there, there's some question of the weather, when 900, 1600, there's, there's some, I don't know about you, but I wasn't there, and neither were you. It was a long time before Jesus came. Joel said, listen, I will pour, Jesus said, I will pour my spirit upon all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Spoke of that moment in Acts, where we're going to look at next week, that the Holy Spirit would come upon God's people. We don't have time this morning, but I do want to just offer this as a side note. 
If you want to look at where the gifts of the Spirit are talked about, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, there's, there's a list of, I think it's nine gifts of the Spirit there. To talk. There's other places, but that one's probably where... Uh, I also put this in because I like the picture. Um, there's, other, there's fruits too. So if you want a gift, you want a fruit. I do want to share uh, this story about uh, a gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we talk about... Um, of course, I lost it. Uh, where is it? There it is. I believe that the Holy Spirit comes upon a person the moment that they accept Jesus into their heart. I believe that. Um, there are some faiths that think, that talk about this, a filling of a spirit being different. I sometimes wonder if um, maybe the problem isn't, uh, isn't God, but the problem is us, right? It's like filling your cup. If I have a cup and God wants to pour my, his spirit into me, and I only let him put a drop in there, that's all I'm going to get. But if I want to let him fill it up, and be full of the Spirit, I can be. I want to read you this uh, um, message from the McCurdy's that happened in March. Now, Pete, I told you that Peter and Sarah are in Costa Rica. They're with their family. They do spiritual development, which means they teach uh, in a seminary. Uh, they do a lot of teaching to try to uh, raise up pastors in those areas that um, don't have opportunities or many opportunities uh, to learn and uh, so they were at a, a seminar in Bolivia in March. And this is, it's a pretty cool setup because they were there in a, at a seminary and he was teaching a grad school program. And one of the guys in the grad school program said he went there to get training, but he expected it to have academic training, right? Um, when you go to school, you think it's going to be real rigorous, a lot of school, a lot of books, a lot of uh, learning, but he didn't realize that he would be learning in a different way. He said, uh, this, and I, I'll, I'll read this because I think it'll be easier. He said, we went, I have gone to church for years. I was born into a Christian family and all my life have been in a church. But during this intensive week, I realized that it was not always meant that I had not always had the presence of God in my life. I was in charge of the things of the church and the administration and, I, and at my capacity, I was a leader. But I realized that the decisions I made in the church and in my home were subject to my human capacity. And as a result, and not as a result of my relationship with God. I was more concerned with the things that happened at the church and not my relationship with God. What I learned during this week was that God has the power to transform my life when I let the Holy Spirit come in and take over my life. Not just the pieces that I want to give him, but all the pieces of my life. The gift that Jesus was going to leave them with was this guide, this heavenly compass. Think about that for a minute. I like that idea. This guide that would help to to direct the paths of each and every one of us. If you're a believer in Christ, you have that Holy Spirit to guide your path. Also to comfort you, to teach you, to convict you of those areas in life where you need to change. Scripture says, 
if you are not uh, of the Spirit, uh, oh, it says, however, are not in the Spirit, but in the flesh. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If you don't have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to guide your life, you are not of God. There's a very distinct line drawn there. The final thing that he gave us... Oh, sorry. Oh, I, want, I wanted to... I, I put this picture up because I wanted to talk to you about... Uh, that game that we used to play as kids. Remember the game we used to play as kids is we would put one person, uh, put their, wrap their eyes so they couldn't see, and the other person would have to direct their path. Do you remember that game? We would, uh, one person would have to use their voice and the other person would have to walk. And you would try to walk through uh, what might be an obstacle course, might be potholes, might be rocks, who knows. But we would walk through those things and we would need someone to guide our path. Isn't that the way the Holy Spirit wants to work in our life? To guide our path. And you know what? Without the Holy Spirit, we're walking around like this kid. Blind. And finally, Jesus gives them a charge. He gives them a charge to keep moving forward. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. In verse 4 he says, You will receive power from the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You need to go. The charge is you have been given a gift. You need to offer the gift to others. That was true then. Think about this just for a moment. Twelve men took the gospel message to the world. Those 12 men shared it with other people who shared it with other people who shared it with other people. And 2,000 years later, you can be a believer in Christ in Northeast Pennsylvania because someone shared it with someone who shared it with someone who shared it with someone who shared it with someone. But it doesn't end here. That's the challenge. The charge is we need to take that message out to others. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're missing out. You're missing out on the hope of eternity. You're missing out on an eternal life that starts already now. And if you're not sharing, I challenged the Wednesday night group. Uh, we meet for prayer meeting on Wednesday night, and I challenged them, and I prayed for them, and we'll see how it goes on Wednesday. I prayed that God would put someone in their path to share their faith. And I don't know about you, but when, when, when you pray those things, and if you really mean it, God will put someone in your path. And so I'm going to pray for that this morning for you, because, because you know what? It may be scary, and it may sound hard, and it, it may not feel all that comfortable every time. But... It's definitely worth it. Someone shared their faith in Jesus Christ with you at some point. And your responsibility is to share it with them. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the reminder that your message was a message of hope and continues to be a message of hope.
Your Spirit would come upon us and continue to be upon us, that we, Lord, might be encouraged in the faith, but we might be comforted and reminded and taught and convicted and encouraged. And your charge was, Lord, to share that faith with people we come in contact with. And so, Lord, this morning I pray for anyone here who doesn't know who you are, who hasn't experienced your love, who doesn't, Lord, know if they will spend eternity with you. I pray this morning, Lord, if that is, if that is you that is here, that, Lord, you would convict their heart and encourage them to come forward, to be involved, to, to Lord, to step out in faith. And Lord, for those who are believers here this morning, I pray that you would put someone in their path who needs to hear your message. Someone who has lost hope. Someone who has given up. Someone who doesn't think they matter. Put that person in, the, in our path this week that we might share our faith in a powerful way. And Lord, the exciting part is that they may come to you looking for that hope. And you'll get all the glory. In your name we pray. Amen.